0: Hello again, my friends, and welcome back to Young to Live by, and in particular, Ask Adept Psychologist, a monthly Q and A podcast. we take your questions that you submit at the $10 tier or higher on Patreon and we answer it as a roundtable between ourselves. Now of course if you'd like to skip to a particular question you can do so by clicking the links in the description or the timestamp down below and the overall theme of today's podcast the the most significant answer that we gave is all about instincts and instincts versus archetypes and in particular we had a particularly uh, pertinent exchange I believe on the wise old man and what that might mean not whether or not it's real or not but where these things come from because it's important to clarify in my opinion anyway that archetypes are real but at the same time they can be a distraction especially in the way that they are presented online and of course young to live by is more clinically focused as Jung himself was for essentially the entirety of his career so we're looking for what works clinically and at the end of the day, that's also what most people watching, I would imagine, are also interested in. Because if you're using this for self-development purposes, like most of you are, then you'll want the tools that are battle tested clinically, because that's how we know that it works. So we're trying to slice through a lot of the myths and the nonsense and trying to get back in touch with instincts today. But apart from that, we've got a question on drawing the line between fantasy and reality. You know, a lot of us here are intuitive types, thinking types, over over on the Discord, I've said it before, but Uh, Pretty much all of you, I believe, are intuitive types. And so the difference, especially if that's introverted, between fantasy and reality can get quite skewed sometimes. So where exactly is that line? We've got another question as well about breaking away, potentially, from someone who might be holding you back. If you're with somebody in real life, partner or otherwise, who has, well, we'll say they're further behind on the journey than you, is a a nice way of putting it. Perhaps the, the most appropriate way of putting it. What can you do about that person? Is it appropriate to break away, and if so, how can we do that? And the final question is all about swinging between ego inflation and ego deflation as kind of a never-ending pendulum swing, and whether or not you can actually do that. So as always, I'm going to kick the first question to Steve and Pauline in the past, and it comes from The Bewildered One, who asks, Would you consider Jung's theory of unconscious aptitudes and predispositions to be just another word or term for instincts? And he gives a quote here from Collected Works Seven, Paragraph Three Hundred, that goes as such: "They are, in a sense, the deposits of all our ancestral experiences, but they are not the experiences themselves." What do you think, Stephen Pauline? In the past,
1: he's basically, as I understand that particular reference, to be considering the possibility of inherited memory, and bearing in mind, have been an awful lot of developments since his time. His views might be a little bit out of kilter with with what's discussed these days. He's talking about virtual images that have no definite form, and then they wait to be fleshed out by experience. Now, that fleshing out is the creation of complexes, and he discusses in particular the idea of having parents, a wife, and, and so forth. And obviously, in the case of, of a male, a wife, in this sense, when uh, the sense that when he wrote it, so. Yeah, there are anticipations which are programmed in biologically and Jung tends to interpret these anticipations as being archetypes. Um, You know my position on that, that largely I regard that as an unnecessary layer of explanation. Anticipations are built in instinctively in other animals and other species. Why should they not be in humans? Why do we have to have another layer added on, which actually is something of an abstraction or even a barrier to accessing uh, the the, the fact? I agree absolutely that it's the case that these things exist. It's just what are they? Uh, And as I've said before, um, instincts are too narrowly defined. And there's a hangover from the 19th century over that. Um, they're not just reactive, they have anticipations, as Jung was, was, was uh, mentioning in that particular reference, and they expect completion as well. So they're present in the genome. And the phenomenon of prepared or contra-prepared learning, which is well understood in psychology now and in ethology, demonstrates that images are present in the psyche, if you like, certainly in the psychology and in the nervous system, and therefore in the genome of animals Um, battery hens for example who have been raised for several generations in an unnatural environment and not exposed to predators when somebody runs a stuffed hawk along a wire above those battery hens they freak out on sight of it because the image is already hardwired within it's an explanation for arachnophobia fear of snakes and other such uh, similar creatures that would have been both of them, serious threats to, to human beings in the past. Uh, and people who live in Ireland, for example, where there are no snakes, and, uh, mm. and if their genome, if you like, has been in Ireland, if their ancestors have been in Ireland for perhaps several thousand years, they still react to snakes. They still have that phobia. And when you think that uh, both... Well, snakes have been around at least uh, since the Cretaceous period, which ended 65 million years ago, uh, and spiders have been around for something like 300 million years, it's not just our species, but our ancestors who were predated upon by snakes and spiders. Hence, we have a tendency as a species to react in that way built into us. So there must be images inborn. And when you think that significant relationships like parents and uh, reproductive partners you know what we call in our human society perhaps husband and wife or significance other then the anticipation of them psychosocially and biologically for reproduction is bound also to be represented by an innate image but i thought interestingly the fact that those chickens would respond to a hawk as a complete image rather than a virtual image it was instant it was as if the image of The hawk was already in there in its totality and did not require modifying experience in the environment. So there's a lot to consider there, an awful lot to consider, because with prepared learning, as behaviorists would understand it, and as some ethologists would understand it, then the entire image must be present. It's only Jung who seems to be saying that it's a virtual image and it hasn't been fleshed out. It might be more accurate to consider that it's an image which has plasticity built in and it can be modified by experience within the environment. This would work with the anima or the animus, for example, insofar as you have a, a general type or image, uh, which I, I, and I think Pauline would agree with me, that uh, in, in this sense would be related very much to the idea of a platonic form. Um, and Jung was influenced by Plato. He borrowed the term archetype from him, for example. But that notion of a virtual image, which can then be modified by experience, would produce a complex. So I think it's open to some debate and it depends on how you organize your thinking and how your own experience in life with yourself and perhaps with others if you're working clinically Uh, would indicate to you whether that image is completely virtual or not. Uh, Jung did talk about an anima type, didn't he, Mm. as well, and that would Mm. include an animus type too um, because you're not going to get one without the other. It wouldn't make any biological sense. So there there must be that broad-based type. And then there's also the idea, potentially, which I've certainly experienced uh, in working with people that there can be an inheritance of a specific type that's passed on. And that could be through learning Mm. or it could be innate. Um, Very interesting overall. And it's a good question because it does cut right into the heart, potentially, of whether archetypes as they have been traditionally described are in fact real or it's just that instincts aren't properly understood. And instincts include archetypes. As Jung himself said, they are perhaps the spontaneous self-portrait archetypes of of instincts. If that's the case, do you even need to talk about instincts in that way? Uh, Remembering, of course, that Jung also described, following on from anthropologists and sociologists, the notion of collective representations within culture, which of course are then acquired and brought within, and then become attached to these deeper structure images, which, in my view, are propelled by instinct directly from the genome and acquire a specific image as they emerge or just before they emerge into consciousness. And some of that will be the so-called virtual image and some of it will be as a result of learning and exposure to a specific culture at a specific time. So it's probably far, far more dynamic than it's been given credit for in the past. And this is where I think the, a biopsychosocial perspective is so important because it gets you away from the reductionism either of biology or psychology or of socio-environmental factors. There are a continuum of interacting systems within which information freely flows and is modified too. But of course, the subjective experience is going to appear initially to be
0: purely psychological. That's a really good answer, Steve. Actually, to be honest, I can't add anything more to that, nor would I even try. Um, except if someone was to was to come to you, for example. Yeah, well, I, I do have a question actually. So when Jung described stuff like the wise old man, for example, as being an archetype, obviously we have an anima and an animus, and they're at the archetypal layer, and so is the shadow. Um, what about the wise old man? Because I've never I never heard you comment on that, but Jung did say that it was a real thing. Of course, you don't integrate you in a wise old man, but what what biologically anticipated situation would that be, for example? Because I can't quite think of one. I, of I think head. it's fairly simple, actually, and no disrespect, but if you, if you think of um,
1: a paleo human, an old human evolutionary um, environment where you have the beginnings of culture being passed on through learning then the elders of the group or the tribe, male and female, are are responsible for passing on social learning, which modifies the biological substrate. This then will become acquired or adapted to the survival instincts, incorporated within it. And you can then say that that's an archetype. Well, it's certainly a modification of instinct, but it, it becomes adapted to instinct and instincts serve and deliver that image, if you like. Uh, from within, but it has to correlate with that which is without. In other words, the the environment has to facilitate or allow that to happen. Otherwise, it would die off. Hmm. You get a phenomenon too called instinctive drift. If you modify an animal's behaviour away from its normal instinctive patterns through conditioning, it's quite easy to do. After a while, though, resistance appears from within the animal and it starts to drift away from its conditioning unless it's continually reinforced. And the reason for this is because it doesn't serve the needs of instincts, and the animal wants to survive, or its genome wants to survive, and the animal's behavior then is pushed towards survival. So anything like that has to be passed on culturally, and then it has to link with something which is deeper. Then you get a resultant image which I would prefer to call a deep structure complex. Not one that's normally associated with ego consciousness, but is is very deep. And it's very deep because it's attached directly to instincts, in this case for survival. Because the only reason to have culture and to have extended family groups, if you think of an anthropological perspective, is for survival. Uh, And Hmm. this is where anthropology has a heck of a lot to offer, depth psychology. They, they you know they, they play in the same playground if you like, but they've got their backs to one another and don't talk to each other enough, mm-hmm. but it's the same human experience. so it, it reflects cultural transmission, and then an expectation of cultural transmission is linked directly with that genetic expectation through instinct, and the image is acquired and attached as a deep structure complex which then appears in that way, but it'll also be attached to father figures as well and you have the equivalent with the wise the wise mother, the wise old mother don't
2: mm. you love yeah I, I was thinking of something separate to that actually mm. but 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 connected mm. um the psychiatrist and young analyst we were watching oh, last night yeah, yeah. um because you're kind of uh emphasizing emphasizing the, the psychosocial uh, mm. aspect of things which of course is incredibly important and i think he was talking about creativity yes um and about myths and legends mm. and so on um but the way he spoke about them he wasn't i think we said well the point at which they become that they're already out there yeah, yeah, yeah psychosocially yeah. they're already out there in the culture yes whereas the way it was described was it was as if somehow those things were within but they weren't without right got you um yeah. and yeah. i just thought that might be something relevant to uh yeah. To
1: comment on, yeah. I think that, uh, that actually supports what I was saying, yes. insofar yeah
2: insofar as
1: some things do originate in culture and then they're acquired as a deep structure That's complex, mean, yeah. which yeah. Uh, sits on top of the instinct,
2: yeah.
1: And because it's relatively deep structure and it's collective, because it's referred to the group at the, the tribal sociocultural level, mm. it appears to be collective in an internal sense. Mm. But the only way that it's really collective internally is it supports instincts for survival, and for maturation, and for, for caregiving, nurturing, and so forth. So all of those factors, those real deep structure, instinctive, unconscious factors are present and active. And then they are, if, if you like, interacting, colliding with the environments and they produce a deep structure complex, which is a mirror of the culture. And normal individual consciousness, which is very small, really, when you think about it, in terms of the totality of your genome, certainly, and also of wider culture, which is a multiplication of individuals. So it is truly a collective psyche, but extrinsic to the individual. You have those two factors, and then the resolution of that contained within the consciousness of an individual, which is the apperception of a fleshed out image from instincts, which people call an archetype. But even Jung was careful to say, that's only the archetypal image, not the thing in itself. And for Jung, this thing in itself is so elusive, you can't find it. But you can find the instincts, they're there. And he did admit, he did admit, that these archetypes are the self portraits of instincts, which begs the huge question, is this even necessary? Talking about archetypes. Well,
2: there's a resistance um, to kind of paring mm. things back, it seems, doesn't yeah. there? And just using Occam's razor and, and yeah. accepting that it may be possible to explain things more simply. And, yeah. and, you know, it's a more user-friendly way of understanding things too.
1: It is, it's got, it's got more currency- it with has, with, with, uh, for with, today. For today and mm. with the wider world it and with has. other disciplines. Yeah. One of the, the the shadow elements of a Jungian approach, and of all depth psychologies, <clears throat> is it does tend to inflate ego consciousness. And it's so subtle in the way that it does it, very often people don't even notice it's happening. And that inflation causes them to become more unconscious, not mm. more conscious. Oh. The over-acquisition of symbols doesn't do your consciousness that much good at all. In fact, it tends to lower it. Um, and we know this because of our skills in hypnotherapy, for example, where any competence hypnotist will know how to manipulate that. And not only that, but salespeople, politicians, yes. internet gurus, all these people will know how to manipulate people en masse by reducing their consciousness, reducing their discriminative powers mm. with respect to their awareness mm. by shoving symbols at them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just I'm just thinking about... Um the question you originally asked james um it made me think too the kind of difficulty people get into with respect to the anima and the mother complex Mm. uh you know and are are we talking about the same thing how are they connected Mm. all all of those sorts of problems that that come when you've you've almost got too complicated an explanation for things yeah
1: yeah, how do you discriminate well, between right. the mother, yes. com- the, the, the mother complex, so called, the yeah. mother archetype, so yeah. called, yeah. the wise old woman, so yeah. called? Yes. You know, yeah. it's like, well, hang on a minute, who, who, who's, you know, what the heck's going on? Yes. If this were a chess game, you'd have all these pieces in play, and you'd have an overall view of what's going on mm. but what happens it seems is that people decide which piece they want to play yeah. take it off the board mm. and put it on another board and play with it there
2: yeah becomes very desiccated exactly at point, it's, reduc-
1: it? it's reductionist yeah it's reductionist and it's not that simple because the underlying pressures mm. as i say are instinctive and instincts aren't single things they are entire situations and when these archetypes turn up in their natural environment they're cultural they're in narratives, mm. they're in myths, they're in fairy tales. Mm. And if you look at you know, Grimm's fairy tales or any of the others, as Pauline's pointed out in previous podcasts, it's not archetypes that are at work, at work there, it's instincts usually, mm. or almost 100% so the case. It's a, a story or a tale of when instincts fail in the sense that we haven't attended to them, that leads people into trouble. It's not about archetypes at all, instincts, uh, it's, it's worth thinking about.
0: Yeah. yeah, that was going to be my, my... So the whole idea about this wise old man, wise old woman sort of conundrum is, is exactly as, as you were saying. It's like, where's the difference between that and the father and that and the mother? Because it, 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 it's you know, transmission of knowledge and transmission of wisdom because they're both wise that's primarily done initially by the parents so it's like where, where precisely is that separation so it's that, it's that idea of why we need to have first of all the separate layer yeah and that this has to be a distinct thing independent of mum and dad it's just stuff like that which kind of you know thinking about working clinically and thinking about self-development you know regardless if it exists in biology as such it's just it's just confusing to me yeah, you know, it's like unnecessary complications. Unless I don't understand it, which is which is no, perfectly I think, possible. I, I think you do, and it is. It? it is an unnecessary complication. It, it is,
2: and, and, and most uh, yourself, most of the people watching are more than capable mm-hmm. of understanding very, very complicated ideas. In some regards, that's the problem.
1: Yeah.
2: Because you know, you could just t- you can just tie yourself up in knots with these things, and you know because. Young has so much currency now, and he appears to be such an authority on these things. Very, very difficult for people to let go of these ideas or to challenge them in any way. And yet, they do need revising, they do need updating.
1: They do. They do. There have been massive developments in anthropology, have, paleoanthropology. Yeah. Uh, the, the new discoveries there, which go against the resistance of the old. I mean, when we were homeschooling uh, our son, he was very interested in paleoanthropology. And at the time, there was this prejudice, which has only recently been overturned, that Neanderthals couldn't speak. They were incapable of art. Uh, Though their brains were larger, they they lacked those areas necessary to develop a complex social environment. And they also um, were held to have spears which they didn't know how to throw. So they would run along and stab a mammoth in the side or something like that and then get crushed. And the argument for that was that they were finding a lot of Neanderthal males with, with signs of, of fractures on the body which suggested a big impact and all the rest of it. And we were, we were, Gareth was very fortunate, actually, because he was, he was given some private tuition by a Yale paleoanthropologist PhD. And she was a very nice lady, but she had these prejudices built in. And about the spear thing, I said to her, and this was quite a long time ago, Homo heidelbergensis, who were the immediate predecessors to Neanderthals, apparently had throwing spears. And then the Neanderthals evolved from them, but somehow forgot how to throw spears. And I said, well, that's unlikely, don't you think? Very unlikely. Bearing in mind that heidelbergensis also built Temporary shelters and structures They obviously had a community uh, in a sense uh, uh, of being able to do that And it was like well, They they could throw their spears and not get themselves hurt At animals, but Neanderthals were stupid But survived for hundreds of thousands of years Adapted to their environment And were able to to tackle large prey So I said so There's another angle on it Now we've got Maasai who hunt lions And that's hmm. part of the Becoming of a man in front of their peer group They go out and hunt lions And it was done in ancient Greece. Alexander the Great's time as well. They had to go out and hunt lions. There were European lions in Macedonia and the Balkans at that time. Is it such such a huge leap to think that it may have been part of the culture of Neanderthals to go out and confront these megafauna, these big beasts at close range in order to prove themselves? She didn't want to know that. And and, and she also didn't want to know that they could speak or anything like that.
2: Well, a lot of the prejudice against them is based on how they appeared physically too Yeah, it's almost a narcissism in the culture that says because it's, they looked uh, yeah, that yeah, way yeah, I, I, that I, I, they couldn't have been well, intelligent well, I,
1: I, exactly, I said to her that's an example I invented yeah. the neologism of speciesism yeah. never mind racism, it's speciesism yeah. um, and now since the genome of the has been uh, produced mm. uh, we know for example they did breed with modern humans we all carry, all modern mm. Euro- Europeans carry a percentage of Neanderthal DNA And even some of us have Denisovan DNA, another species that wasn't even known at the time. So you got all of that. Now they found cave art, which they've said is Neanderthal. They found evidence of them using jewelry. Primitive, agreed, but jewelry nevertheless. So they were were capable of art. Uh, They had some of the the genes that modern humans have that are connected with speech, they they could speech they were social, they knew how to hunt they knew how to survive, but all of that prejudice was the orthodoxy, Mm. and believe it or not there is an analogue here with Jung as well there's a prejudice against instincts and there's an overvaluation of, and somebody amusingly coined this term on on the Discord the other day overactive imagination (laughs) Um, in Mm. the sense that this, this is, uh, you know, you, you have a lot of Jungians who live only in their imagination, only in their head, and they're not fully engaged either with their biology or with the real physical world, of which they are a part. Yeah. So, yeah, study some anthropology. Get out of this religious creativity that that springs forth naturally. They were religious too. They had beliefs. Yes. You know?
2: It's ignorant to assume that they weren't. Very,
1: very ignorant. Mm-hmm. And you carry some of their DNA, if you're European. All right. Well, good answer. Of course. Um, I don't know if I did answer it, actually, but I may have wandered off point. So sorry. Wandered well, off, spear, well, wandered off I,
0: spear point. I think that works. I think that works really, really nicely. So thank you for your question, of course. Um, this uh, this next one comes from Nightchild. And Nightchild says, Something that's been persistent in my life is my inner imagination and my indulgence in fantasy. I believe introverted intuition is my dominant function, making it quite difficult to draw the line between engagement in real life or fantasy and imagination. Though my imagination is a large part of my creativity and is quite useful and enjoyable, it, it too often stops me from engaging with real life. My question is where does one draw that line?
2: If I'm not sure that he, that he is doing this, but he was making something of a typological. James, and of course he will have an extroverted function as well. Um, sadly, we don't.
1: We don't know too much. We don't know, to know too much. That, yeah.
2: Um,
1: go on, go on,
2: go on. Yeah, but um, I I would be interested probably in in, in looking at those uh, other aspects of him that allow him to to be social, to extrovert himself, and be out there in the outer world, which would act as a kind of a counterpoint to the introverted intuition presumably um but it kind of leads on nicely from the previous question doesn't Mm. it in a way about the overvaluation sometimes of fantasy and the inner world of course it of course it is incredibly important but it's not the only thing no
1: no there are solutions there are practical solutions yes uh if you were if you you know, becomes a therapist, and he might well do. The guy is... I, we, we know him, James, don't we, through right. uh, communication right. with him. He is a bright, articulate, intelligent yes. guy, and, yeah. and he shows a lot of potential. It depends if he wants to move in that direction, ultimately. Mm. If he were to train as a therapist, depending on the kind of therapist, then his sensing function would be trained, mm. and there are ways of doing that. There are. You can do it, for example, and I know a lot of people don't like us talking about hypnosis, which is odd really, isn't it? Because a lot of these people are into fantasy and imagery, and yet hypnosis is such a great way of using Mm. that. But but if you were to train clinically with the best methods of hypnosis, you'd be required to entrain your sensing function. In fact, you'd have all of Jung's uh, cognitive functions as a suite available for you to use and enter into and use as required for rapport and for logging on to the other person's way of making sense or indeed non-sense of their experience, ongoing, the past, or anticipated in the future. So that that requires you to develop your other functions. You can let go of them later and you can be your normal default type. Um, But that would give you a skill then, obviously, because you're accessing it in yourself, that you can then go and use that in other environments if you wish. But it's a common problem I've I've seen, and I think Paul would agree with me on this, that that when people get processed primarily through typology, it becomes a cage and traps them as if there is no other way. And yet the vast majority of people in the world navigate their way through life and don't know anything about typology at all. And that includes adapting themselves or readapting themselves to others. So if you over amplify that as a theory and then entrap yourself within it, the way out is actually to train your other functions and there are very simple ways of doing that. Mm. Very, very simple. So I'd recommend that he he has a look at that Uh, but not to lose the positive side of what he's got. Mm.
2: Because
1: even in an evolutionary sense, intuition is really valuable because it gets beyond the immediacy of the moment. And people with intuition would have been very, very useful within a paleo human group. Because they could see round corners, they of could course. see ahead. Yeah. They they would be the shamans yes, probably.
2: Probably, yeah.
1: You know, if it's introverted. Mm. If it's extroverted, they they would be going out seeking out new opportunities in the environment. Mm. Whereas the extroverted sensing types would be going out and dealing with the immediacy mm. and the practicality and so on. So you can see how the the, the uh the function types would have evolved and been selected for and there would have been enough space for all of them. But if you want to develop them yourself, consider this first, they're all, all related to ego consciousness. They may be latent as in being unconscious in and of themselves as you go further down and deeper into that stack. But the unconscious does not have a type. It paradoxically has all of them and none of them. Consciousness has a type and if you make them available to consciousness you can use them the unconscious is a completely different thing very different and it has its own rules and its own way of interpreting things so if you're finding introverted intuition useful great if you're finding it a problem then you need to develop something else to counterbalance it there are practical ways of doing it it will help you in the inner world if you Allow the unconscious to communicate with you on its own terms and do not interpret it through any of your cognitive functions. Just let it tell you how it wants you to experience it and how it wants you to receive its communications. That's polite. Very, very important to be polite because otherwise, unconsciously, the ego has become inflated and knows only itself and values only itself. And only its way of communicating. So yeah, practical skills, practical techniques—they're available. You can do it. But you know, you're really good at what you do. Actually, I mean, I've, I've watched the stuff that you write, and we've, we've both enjoyed the questions that you that you put forward, yeah. Night Child. So yeah.
2: Do, do you, yeah. or James, know Night type? Interestingly, I don't. You don't, I don't no. know. You, no. you, you, you I, know. I if I know if you if you're well, on the Discord, I, you'd know. Right. Well, yeah, no. no so it Discord. says obviously,
0: introverted intuition is the dominant function, right, so that, right, that narrows right. it down
2: yeah yeah so um you know the thing that we're not looking at there is is you know T or F, extroverted in some way you know when we're not looking no. at the the thing that that is less well developed and and, and that could be useful
1: oh it would be it'd be very useful yeah yeah perhaps if you if could let us know on a uh, that that would, be, a that would be that would be brilliant
2: if you didn't mind yes and then we can maybe answer a bit more fully
1: yeah
0: Sorry if I wandered yeah. off general track there. No, no, that's, again, another really, really good answer. Uh, I will say as well, when you're saying, for example, people are the biggest fans, or some people that we've seen are not the biggest fans of hypnosis. Well, as as the, the people are giving feedback now on the manual that we released a little while ago, and some of the feedback has been... And by that, I mean the experiences people are having are basically like... The general pattern seems to be this. Like, well, I was sceptical going in... You know what's real? What's my unconscious talking to me? I don't really know what's going on. I'm just drawn to it. And then wow, this really worked. My fingers started moving. Images came to mind when I asked. If like the unconscious was, it was a proper communication. I was really well rested. And it's like, it works. It does.
2: I mean, we we were saying this morning, Steve, weren't we? did with that, without, if it's executed properly, you get speed and depth yes. simultaneously. And and let's be honest, you know, I'm not saying necessarily that speed of outcome is, you know, is the only important thing. But, you know, by and large, when people are suffering, they'd rather not wait to get better. So if you can deliver on both of those, on the, the speed and the depth through a single method, it's at least worth considering.
1: Yeah, well, definitely. Yeah, without a
0: doubt.
2: And, and it isn't stage hypnotism. No. You know, it's, uh, it, it just isn't. And um, there's an awful lot to learn about it, isn't there? Yeah,
1: yeah. hypnotherapy is not one thing. No,
2: it isn't. Just like psychotherapy is not one thing. No,
1: no, they're completely different. In, in psychotherapy, if you were to get a CBT therapist, a Rogerian person-centered therapist, and a Freudian psychoanalyst in the same room, you'd think you had three different species of people. You would. With three different species of psyche. Yeah, because they can't communicate at all. Well, hypnotherapy is like that too.
2: Mm.
1: And if you don't know, you don't know.
2: Mm.
1: That's just the way it is. Um, but if you do get the right, the right material, uh, you know, in terms of your training, and then yes. the right experience, it does open your mind. Uh, and one of the problems I really do think with a lot of introspective psychology and psychotherapy is that it is unknowingly egocentric. Mm. it expects the psyche to talk in the way that it wants it to.
2: It's actually hypnotic. Yeah. You're hypnotised on the inside yes. by images, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, and definitely. Um,
1: definitely. And in a way, that, that that's that's a nice little way to cut through hubris from the perspective of the unconscious, of the ego is insisting that it communicates in a certain way. It's okay, I'll do that then. Yeah. And then, as Pauline says, the unconscious will hypnotise you from within. Mm. So you're in an also suggestive hypnotic trap where the ego expects to see the mirror of itself in the unconscious so that the little self becomes the big self. The ego expects to see a bigger version of itself called the self. You know, And it's some kind of psychological thing which has a correlate externally in the social environment in the form of a religion mm-hmm. or of a guru or of a mm-hmm. dictator or whatever it mm-hmm. is. It's just inflation of the ego. What you need to do... Is to go in and ask humbly and openly how the unconscious wants to communicate with you if, if people can stoop enough to do that they can lower themselves enough they can have the humility necessary to do that and you'll solve a lot of problems very very quickly yeah. you'll find that someone else this second center of the personality
0: that Jung talks about really is there but it wants to talk on its own terms Okay, well, thank you, Nightchild, for that question, as always, and best of luck to you, of course. Um, The third question today comes from Hubert, and Hubert says Question time. You're individuating. Hurrah. Ten years of stupid suffering is being resolved. No longer are you tied to your fake outer persona. Fantastic. However, an ominous storm is approaching. You find yourself in an environment living with a person who has a false persona, it is draining. Any advice other than to get out? Note, I can't change my entire life in a second. Hopefully I'm on the right path and hopefully myself will shine through. But I do have this problem.
1: Well, I would say um, that it's a moral problem for him and it's a very, very individual one for him because it's, it's, it's his circumstances uh, and only he could make that judgment about whether to stay in that particular relationship, whatever it is... That that would have to be him, but one of the problems is the more you know, the more lonely it gets. Yes, and um, that's a good thing actually because it means that you have to solve that problem. For us, it it means uh, having a life that is as far as possible ordinary. If you see what I mean, because you know, yeah, you do know things other people don't know, but you can't walk around, you know, like that. Uh, you couldn't relate to other people no. and we need perhaps sometimes to forgive others for being different and then watch ourselves for our own inflation just level that out um young himself uh, you were saying this earlier today yes. weren't you about having mm. to um mm. normalize himself through contact with ordinary people yes
2: he did Yeah, well, that's that's where he learnt the most himself. I mean, thinking about his friendship with Mountain Lake and
1: um,
2: so on, Um, yeah, Yeah. it was almost like he was looking for a simpler explanation of things himself because he was such a complicated man.
1: He was, uh, yeah. He 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 would go on about peasants, you know, in Europe at the time, Swiss Mm -hmm. farmers, Mm -hmm. people who lived close to the earth, Mm. saying how difficult it was to be simple. Yes. and that's a problem with this field. Again, if we engage too much with this overactive imagination. Yes. It's a wonderful phrase, yes. that, by the way. Or just with the um, intellect, generally. Yeah, 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 exactly. It, yes. it's, it's just, it's another thing. Anything that's overamped, is too mm. much. And he, he felt he needed that. I think it was that which you did not expect,
0: isn't it? Is that him, James? Who I thought it was pacifist from the top of my head. I saw, it, I saw it this morning. It's one of the two of you guys you can debate amongst yourselves in the Discord, I guess. It was really good, though. It was, uh, it was almost
1: like a Zen koan, the way he phrased it in the, on the Discord, you know, part of the discussion that was going on. Uh, and it, you know, it said, yeah, you've got it bang mm. on there because yes, that is it the problem. It is With the problem. Jungians, it's mm. not active imagination. It's overactive imagination. Yes. But anyway, to return back to context, mm. um, it will make you lonely.
2: I think he's in a good place, though. Oh yeah, definitely. Because the the, the mm. fact that he's he's conscious of, of the changes in himself mm. and the and the the fact that his perspective on things is changing, and the people therefore his relationship to the people around him is changing. If you can kind of hold that tension between that kind of new understanding mm. of things and what he's you know observing, um, then eventually I think the solution will become clear. It will yeah. emerge from holding that tension i i think from what he says is probably and an, from a practical point of view probably too soon to be able to actually make a decisive choice about that but the fact that he can hold that in consciousness i think is incredibly valuable it might be a bit uncomfortable mm. for a time uh, and you might just have to sit with that and see what emerges but Yuck. um it sounds like he's on his way for sure oh, definitely
1: yeah definitely
2: and and you know I, I think you do find he talks about this sort of fake persona i think when you do start to see things differently it can be uncomfortable mm. because you you make new observations don't yeah. you see things literally with a new lens you
1: do yeah at, at each stage at
2: each stage yeah
1: at each stage you realize what you didn't know yes. before and yeah it's it's dramatic mm. and other people around you didn't even know what you knew before that you now know you know more than you knew before yes. so th-
2: yeah.
1: it just compounds itself at every every yeah. stage James, for example, if you don't don't mind me saying has a near vertical learning curve he's still on it and mm-hmm. he's a very very different person now than he was some months ago that's down to his own commitments, yes, and he's suffered a lot
2: yeah
1: in that time already uh, but He's, he's gaining the benefits of that. But it is lonely. It's lonely because there is a separation um, that's involved. So you do have to have another side of your life that's simpler and, and more ordinary mm. to balance yourself. Otherwise, you may fall into the trap of some people in the past who went and lived on mountaintops and philosophised themselves into oblivion. Yeah.
2: Mm. You yeah. need to foot in both camps. We've you said do. this before, haven't you do, we, really? Yeah. But you do. You,
1: d- you do. Which is why we wanted to go into the front, well, one reason, uh, we wanted to go into frontline, you know, primary health and yeah. frontline delivery for ordinary people. It's where it's not oh. at. You know, you don't get youngins in GP practices. You just do not. You don't really get them anymore, if ever, particularly in any numbers in psychiatric hospitals either
2: well this psychiatrist yesterday was Mm. was critical of um sort of evidence-based approaches wasn't he And trying to to quantify outcomes and so on because obviously at the end of the day it's about money and it's about cost effectiveness but he wasn't prepared to look at the the shadow uh, of the Jungian analysts that Mm. you know will probably outprice most people most ordinary people without a doubt and then all the requirements to sort of To maybe up sticks and travel, you Mm. know, to see someone, which very often is the expectation. Yeah, you travel hundreds of miles and sell your house. Absolutely, in order to do it. apprentice
1: yourself to this guy or girl or woman, whoever it is. Mm. And uh, for what outcome? There's no clear outcome at all. And if you have a real problem, a real problem, they're not going to be able to solve it which is terrible isn't it when you think about it the vast majority of what orthodox Jungians do is useless in the real world sad but true
2: and what have you done to everyone else around you mm. by doing that I mean, yeah. particularly if it's the wrong decision yeah. to make you've yeah. screwed everything up yeah. at that point and it might be completely yeah. unnecessary mm.
1: the vast majority of Freudians are completely ineffective in the kind of front line practice that we're talking about it couldn't work well, we work. know
2: somebody who's trapped in a transference relationship. We do. With
1: someone, don't we, we do. We know someone who's, uh, can't mention any names, won't, no, even, of course won't not. even mention the gender no, or no, where of they not. are. No, would never do um, that. But someone that we have known well as a friend uh, who is in a transference trap with a very senior British Freudian psychoanalyst and can't get out of it. Uh, and that's an economic trap that's led the person into it because they were able to afford that. And thought they were getting something that was really good, mm. and instead they're trapped mm. and can't get out of mm. this long-term therapy, which is draining them yeah. financially and with obviously no resolution because the transference has never been solved. Mm. And yet they encourage the transference to keep you trapped. Terrible, isn't it? Being farmed, not good.
0: Yeah, it it is. It's absolutely stunning because obviously I was into Jung for a while, and and you can you can think that. Studying that type of thing can help you. It didn't for me at all. And it didn't take much from you two, that's not to to, to discredit you two at all. It's merely to say how simple it can be to to get me up and going. And like, I've left some old videos up of myself and you can track my own development deliberately. You know, um, I changed my mind on a lot of things. And you, you can see, for example, when you've mentioned, Hubert, about a false persona, you can see how my persona has changed. And it, it began as very much an over the top, very 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 false thing, and naturally it's it's relaxed down a lot more. But you know, we were talking very recently about you know the the, the persona and the anima dance that they seem to go together because they're both personas. Of course, the persona being for the ego and the anima being the persona of, of the unconscious. You know, but the the most one of the most valuable things. It's difficult to quantify the how valuable the things are you to have given to me. But one of them, which you said to me, at the very, very beginning of our relationship was, um, bring Jane along with you. And that really, really stuck with me. It's like, why wouldn't I? Because she's here, and if if she's suffering in whatever way she is, and we're meant to be dancing in a relationship with each other, why wouldn't I bring her with me? So potentially what you could do, depending on this this person and, and the nature of it, even it's just a general comment, not necessarily to Hubert, is is what you could bring them along with you and see if you can help them of course because obviously you're interested in this journey we've, we've worked together of course Hope hope you don't mind me saying of course you're 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 left relatively um anonymous by this um you're definitely on the journey without a shadow of a doubt so it's like maybe you could propagate that out to other people of course don't trap yourself but you know making the world a, a happier place and repairing those relationships if indeed they can be repaired would be my two cents on that anyway
1: yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that, that's that's a very good insight. And in addition to what I said, certainly, um, mm. you've added to that.
0: Mm.
2: I mean, there may be some good reason why the person concerned has had to uh, adopt a fake persona. We really don't know, do we? And 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 mm. the the assumption that it is a fake persona too. That the without more yeah. details, very difficult to comment on that aspect yeah. of it, isn't yeah. it? But um, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, this this uh, imposter syndrome. I'd never yes, heard of that. Believe yeah. it or not, perhaps because I don't particularly paddle around in pop psychology. Mm. Um, that was mentioned the other day. Mm. Uh, Pauline was familiar with it, not because she paddled. I paddle.
2: I paddle around in the uh... <laughs> in the but, pop psychology.
1: Uh, that's that sounded to me to be a very toxic construct that could be yes. weaponized.
2: Oh yeah.
1: By all sorts of people, you know, and. Uh, Who's to say who's fake and who isn't mm. in, in another person? You know, it's, it's uh, you never know. And, and, and working in depth, as, as you've said, and as Pauline has, uh, has just said, the truth emerges through relating, mm. and that's the function of, of the anima or the animus. You know, when they relate, when there's two people in the room therapeutically, and the other two are there, and the relating is going on at the level of the unconscious, then the truth of both of the two people on the surface the two egos in the room if you like that emerges because of the activity of what is beneath and it's important it's a dynamic process very dynamic
2: it's useful to look at the pop psychology steve yeah yeah you see what people are being exposed to out there in the culture don't you this is true yeah what feeds their complexes and so on
0: Uh, imposter syndrome is very very common Quote unquote in 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 people. It's a very common thing at university. I used to get emails about it at all three universities I've been actually, which is dealing with imposter syndrome, Um, and it would be usually the higher up the 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 student hierarchy you go. So, for example, PhD students, the more imposterous you feel. But with something like that, and I've spoken to people with it before, and I guess I've had it before. But it's you know, how do you distinguish between that and just lack of confidence? especially in an environment where you're trying to assert yourself, um, but maybe the professors aren't particularly interested in you, and you realize you are the very bottom of that particular hierarchy. Is that imposter syndrome, or is that you just need to come to terms with the fact that you're not the top of the hierarchy you were in school, especially if you were bright? Well, who would,
1: who would even say that to you, and what would be the purpose of, in saying it's not to be nice to you, it's mm-hmm. not to help you? No. It can't be, can it, because it's toxic. It's obviously yeah. toxic, and mm. it's effects. Yes.
0: Well, um, thank you, Hubert, and best of luck. Um, This next question comes from Kiro, and Kiro asks, um, it's quite an interesting question, this one. Uh, How does one switch from the anima possession-like state of ego inflation and deflation pendulum through, quote, identification with the gains from the persona to the ego self axis? My suspicions are that he has to do with the anima, the relating function, and how one relates to themselves. I am extroverted with a weakness of relating to myself my needs and my suffering i want to live a more authentic life based in reality not in projections and denials do you two have any ideas on that well
2: well i think just from a, a purely typological point of view and obviously i i don't know that this is this person's type but they almost appear to be suggesting that they have extroverted feeling um which of course goes out to the environment and to people and um i think it's very easy for extroverted feeling types to neglect themselves because the focus is nearly always out there on other people and their well-being and making things good for them um and so on so um it just depends at the level really i think that you would want to sort of come at that but um yeah i mean that would be a good starting point yeah, wouldn't it to word, see yeah. if if that's partly what's playing out here yeah. um
1: it needs grounding it doesn't does
2: it, it does uh, yeah
1: it's almost too complicated yeah um he, he's definitely showing he has a grasp of theory and i've no doubt oh, that yes he
2: uh,
1: he can articulate the ideas where he seems to be suggesting his problem is in is an application At that point, I think you should withdraw back from theory and start to distill out some fundamentals, like Pauline said, about what is type, first Mm. of all. Um, Then pull away from the theory and start to look for, dare I say, simple answers, because the solution will be simple ultimately and it will be away from the theory. Um, And it will be action-orientated as opposed to being theoretically orientated as well. I can explain it afterwards in terms of theory, but going through it will just be probably a few subtle changes once that basic compass has been yeah
2: established yes Yes. yeah it may simply be that you know he's not using his auxiliary function enough as a a break on on Mm. i'm assuming here that that we have extroverted feeling um or like i think you're suggesting see there might be some other dynamic at work it might be useful to to look at instincts um, and where they may not be being expressed properly because, mm. again, extroverted feeling types are probably very good um, at riding roughshod over their own instincts because they're just simply not paying attention to them, mm. to what they might need or want for themselves. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely agree. I was just going to say that, you know, I'm sorry I'm in anthropological it's mode all right. today. You go back in. <laughs> you know, uh, which is a useful mode sometimes. It is um it it has adaptive value for a group if some people are really good at extroverted feeling yes. because they will nurture the group mm. and in that sense you could say it is to some extent in- instinctive for some people to emphasize that flow of energy towards mm. others mm. but there will be a problem because the personally focused instincts will be compromised perhaps if that's overamped mm. so um Yeah, it's got adaptive value to have extroverted feeling. And if you're on the receiving end of it and it's genuine, believe me, it's very nice. It makes everybody feel good. It it oils all of the social contacts. It's a wonderful thing. Very, very valuable, but easy to abuse from others. Yes,
2: yeah, and therefore easy to abuse yourself too by by being that way or being overly that way.
1: Yeah, it's like with... Mm. uh, you know, introverted thinking in in the case of James Mm. and uh, myself in the past, uh, before I worked on other parts of myself, it would be very easy to overamp that uh, and deal with everything that way because it's so familiar. Yes. And then other instincts then become atrophied and and you get back pressure from that. Your instincts will turn on you, your other instincts, because one of them is being favoured over the others, you know, in terms
0: of the overall economy of your psyche.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, I can... um... I do quite like introverted thinking It's quite a, <laughs> quite, quite, quite a nice thing I've, there's a potential other read forgive me if your question also answers this interpretation but just reading over the question again and taking it just a few bits out it sounds a little bit like you could answer it or he's asking um, how do you switch from ego inflation back onto your path towards the self So so in terms of I mean, obviously the first thing with that is you don't know if you're inflated or no, not. No,
2: you've got... No. Yes, that's, that's right. There's about, a basic assumption, isn't there? It that, is not it its So about yeah. pulling
0: away from the theory and grounding yourself
1: first. Otherwise, uh, it's like setting yourself a mathematical problem, series of equations, which are the theoretical constructs, that one equals the other, so to speak, either side, you know, uh, and that you just process yourself through that and then wonder why it hasn't worked. Well, it might not be applicable in that form. Um, so if if I were to work with somebody who came in with those theoretical constructs in place and they had a problem with those con- those constructs, I'd try and get them away from it completely and then reassess what's going on in that person's life um, and I would go to a non-psychological framework to assess them the biopsychosocial framework mm. and see where their energy is mm. at all those different levels and what the effects are in other words, get the waveform of that person's life and its flow, uh, and then help them to see that and to balance those energies and match their instincts. If they do, then whatever the, um, the theoretical constructs refer to will self-sort themselves into homeostasis. Mm. So that, that's a practical way of doing it. But if somebody comes in preloaded with theory like that, you do have to get them away from it first. Um,
2: well, even the way the question's framed with kind yeah. of inflation followed by deflation, it, yeah. it's almost got to, there's a suggestion there of is, a way for is, running through that.
1: Yeah, that, that impacted me, I must have yes. been, thought that mm. really it'd be better to get away from the theory and just yes. see just what's actually happening in terms of that person's energy yeah. distribution. Um, and by that, I mean, psychological, if you like, energy as well, libido, libido. Mm. In, in broad terms, which is life force, you yeah. know, Freud, Jung, yeah. uh, and see where that mm. goes. A general rule of thumb that that's worth having and using, even if only to reject it, but nevertheless try it is, uh, if you like, by his libido shall ye know him.
2: Oh yes, it, it, that is a good one.
1: <laughs> it is. It is actually. It is. Mm. Uh, it, it, it's one of those little acid tests, if you like, li litmus paper it'll give you a very good indication of uh, of what's going on for someone how their energy is deployed what what it's going into it may be that uh, and i don't mean necessarily in, in this person's case but if somebody's overthinking or overgeneralizing uh, from some internalized model that's where their libido is going and that means that energy is not available for other things
0: mm.
1: and then the The inflation deflation that he's describing could just be a simple compensatory dynamic within the psyche that tries to pull him away from over-adaptation to thinking or feeling, whatever, to do with the theory of life rather than the living of it. So, by his libido shall you know him. Where is it? Mm -hmm. And, And that works in a lot of dimensions. It works with psychopathology as well. And we've even, and I'm not suggesting this at all, with this person, mm. uh, but with personality disorders, for example, um, they reveal themselves very, very clearly through the, where their libido is. We all do actually. Yes. And, and that's why it is a useful concept rule of thumb i would call it but. yeah
2: but but it, it strips all mm. the over intellectualizing away does. again it as does. well doesn't it because does, over intellectualizing is bad yeah uh over active imagination is bad yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything we've said yeah. this you know with respect to addiction anything yeah. that's being yeah. over utilized yeah it's likely to be harmful
1: It is, it is indeed. I mean, looking back at typology, for example, the differences between Pauline and I, if if you look at that in terms of just through that one lens of typology, and she has extroverted feeling, dominant, and introverted thinking, um, pretty much complete opposites in in, in that regard and opposite styles. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when I got into Mm -hmm. Jung, it was because I was extremely interested in myself in terms of solving my own personal equation, uh, and that was a kind of analytic, self-analytic process. I, I wanted to do that. And I got into therapy in TI mode as well. And it changed. Uh, and it changed because of the experience of being with other people meant that I then wanted to solve problems for them. Yes. Rather than for myself. Mm. And then it moved on from that. Working with Pauline, obviously, I, I knew and had been in relationship for years with her already at that point. But seeing her working with extroverted feeling meant that I could model wanting to solve other people's problems in that way, rather than it just being uh, a reframing of introverted thinking of myself, problem solve to problem solve for someone else. I then began to develop my feeling function, extroverted feeling function, as well, in relationship to others. And that helped me to develop that suite of options that I was mentioning earlier. Yes. It can be done faster than that, I now know, and I now understand. But in those relatively early days, it was more of a case of uh, reorientating type and then understanding how that affects how how you, uh, you relate to people.